mother says he was a normal happy boy until he became obsessed with black metal music. Rock and roll! Sounds like Christian Rick. Heavy metal music. Groups promote satanic worship. They're anti-peace and anti-life. Hi everybody, welcome to episode 6 of the Metal Face Podcast. The podcast where each week we discuss free metal albums. This week we'll be discussing Val and Emma Rundle's collaboration, May Our Chambers Be Full, Tool with their album Opiate, and finally Dying Fetus with Reign Supreme. My name is Ben, joining me I have Josh. Josh, how you doing? I'm doing good, Ben. Good, I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> and also joining me... Uh, Tom. Tom, how are you? I've had a good week, I think. I spent a lot of the week listening to uh, all sorts of new music. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was checking out a band called uh, Belters today, a black metal band. It's a good song called A Grey Chill and a Whisper, which I suggest you checking out. That's kind of the vibe at the moment, isn't it, with the weather? A Grey Chill and a Whisper. Oh, it is, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's got a really nice sort of like um, atmospheric church sounds. <laughs> Can't wait for it. Okay, okay. I'm getting into the zone. I'm getting into the space. This yeah. sounds good. I've also been listening to a bit of Gorgoroff, a song called Procreating Satan, which really has a kind of Anal Nafrek vibe. Ooh. Well, realistically, I suppose Anal Nafrek probably have more of a Gorgoroff vibe. Don't know what the chronology is there exactly. Chicken and the egg. Exactly, yeah. Apart from that, I've been listening to a lot of Wolf Alice recently. Oh, Are you yeah. familiar with them at all? She's like the kind of dark folk rock lady, is she? Or am I mixing her Well, it's a band. Um, uh, yeah, a band fronted by um, band. Ellie Roswell, but it's... <laughs> Shows what I know. But yeah, it's a sort of, I would say, a sort of post-punk indie rock sort of thing. So Very good, but they, they just released a new song called Last Man on Earth, and that's been going round and round yeah. my regular rotation. There it is. <laughs> you got it in early. <laughs> <laughs> We've been saying regular rotation a lot, really, haven't we? If we were in person, we could punch each other every time we say that, but we'll work out something, something else. You could say we, we've been saying it regularly. It's on the regular rotation. Oh my god. How deep does it go? Regular rotation is on my regular rotation. So a Wolf Alice, what you would call a mainstream band, Tom? Popular music on this podcast? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. I've definitely got a mainstream acclaim. I think there's a distinction to be made probably between mainstream bands or artists like I don't know, say Kanye West or Nicki Minaj. I'm so unused to saying those names. It's like, I feel weird. When they, I say they sound weird coming out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Wolf Alice are doing all right for themselves. I don't know what they. I would compare them to. You know, set out to us. Maybe an Idols kind of level. Mm. Idols are... I know they're coming from a kind of rocky place, but they are one of the biggest bands around right now. Yeah, that's true. Maybe... It does feel but, that way. I mean, but... they're, they're big, but they're they're big, like, indie scene kind of thing. Yeah, it definitely feels that way, but I don't really have much of a barometer of the mainstream. <laughs> I'm not mm. going to lie. I mean, The Guardian writes about them quite regularly, so... The Guardian! Yeah, I do. <laughs> it's true. I mean, I'm not too clued in on the mainstream rock world, which is probably why I'm having uh, trouble answering this question. But I really rate Wolf Alice, actually. I'd like to look at one of their albums at some point in the future. There's a very, they're very atmospheric. They've got some really heavy punk songs in there, and they've got some stuff that's really acceptable for like a mainstream pop and rock audiences as well. Mm. So, are they kind of like maybe like a gateway band? Would you say to to the you know the true religion of metal, or are they kind of just a in between sort of not quite? Yeah, where do they sit? I would say they're kind of, I mean, they're very much their own thing. Yeah. You know, they're, potentially for some people could be a gateway into sort of post-punk, maybe some heavier forms of rock. So I'm curious to know, if you wanted to find new music, where do you guys normally go? The funny thing is, is like the new stuff that's coming out, I always get it from YouTube. That's where I see the new really? stuff. Really? You watch a lot of music on YouTube? I do, actually, yeah. I didn't I mean, mean to I sound so say... disgusted then. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I listen to stuff that I like on Spotify. Mm. So it's, but I see it coming up on YouTube. It's like on the homepage... I'll see something like Black Metal Promotions has put something out or 
some band I'm following has done like a, a, a re-release or whatever. And then normally it's a case of like, say I find a new band on YouTube, it's then a case of going to Spotify and being like, all right, what are their songs? What yeah. have they written? Spotify more for the deep dives. I used to use YouTube for that uh, until I read an article which talked about how if you, if you watch if you watch a music video where or just one where it's just the album artwork and, and, and then the sound of the song, it uses like twice, ten times as much energy as just streaming the audio. And it said like, wow. if you if you stream Netflix every day for a year, it's the same as flying between the UK and America. So I've, I've sworn Holy off. Yeah, I've sworn off YouTube because <laughs> I'm like, oh god. <laughs> I don't want the ice caps to melt so I can listen to death metal, you know? What's the environmental impact of our um, podcast then? I mean, it would require a large number of listeners for it to be significant, so... We've got nothing so, to worry so about. Fucking... <laughs> <laughs> well, this is episode six. By the time this goes out, we might have had some sort of yeah, we might become... landslide viral moment. We may well be viral. <laughs> we, may, we may well... One of our hot takes may have exploded across Shredder or something. Exactly. I mean, as it stands, the next episode to come out is our black metal episode, mm. right? This mm. is going to be like a time warp for anyone listening in the future. It's going to get really That, that could be controversial. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting what you're saying about the kind of controversies and stuff, because with black metal in particular, it's a genre I wasn't that familiar with. And some of the ways I kind of learned about it was, you know, through, like you say, going on YouTube and having the <laughs> algorithm give you these kind of, mm. you know, discovered new bands and stuff. Yeah, and that's it, isn't it? I often find, like... I, I've been trying to listen to the new music kind of playlist you get on like iTunes and I, I it's always I it very rarely gives me music I like really I wonder like how many bands that I could have you know contributed to the black metal episode to the black metal episode but to our other kind of genre episodes in the future I've missed because of the algorithm it's true it can do like sometimes it can give you exactly the kind of thing that you're looking for at the same time it can also just give you exactly what you're already listening to exactly like, alright yeah. I'm satisfied yeah. with just listening to Alan Afrak again for the next hour so fuck it and then if you ever have like a night where you, I don't know, have like a house party or something and someone gets control of your phone, puts on disco all night. Oh, no. You're, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're fucked for the next couple of weeks. Speaking <laughs> from experience. <laughs> oh. You know, this week, I've started using Bandcamp a lot to find new oh, music. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've had an account for years because I got like a couple of albums through it ages and ages ago and I've started using it a lot this last week and talking of the algorithm I feel like on Bandcamp it works pretty well they've been recommending some pretty good stuff to me yeah uh, definitely especially in like some really mm. niche underground stuff that doesn't seem to come through on like Spotify and stuff definitely it's a great place to find really like genuine underground mm. stuff stuff that's like really not being talked about and like circulated it's a really good place mm. to discover things I think it's particularly good for grindcore as well I would say like a majority of the grindcore bands that I was into back in the day were bands that I found through Bandcamp, basically, yeah. And also, another great thing about that is that quite often you could download the whole album for either kind of either for free or it's like a name your price sort of thing. We know your attitude to the name your price system. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I forgot that I'd left that in on the Rash Decision episode. Left in that I'd stolen one of their albums. Uh, well, the, the, and now you've put it in two episodes. Yeah. <laughs> well, they still shared the podcast. They can't be that angry. Yeah. I do. Um, <laughs> I am waiting for someone to tell me that Bandcamp is like awful and doesn't give any of the money to the artists or something. Because that always happens. It's a bit suspicious, isn't it? It's it always seems a bit too good. good. Yeah. It does seem too good to be true. Because they have really good like promotions and like, you know, uh, really good pricing for the music and stuff. And I just hope that it's actually positive for the artists. Because, like, yeah. Yeah. I just hope that they are actually getting some of that yeah. money that you're paying. I do really 
really enjoy it as well with Bandcamp, how it kind of combines the music and the merch and everything. It's, it's all into like one place. It's, it can be really nice. Because mm. even mm. when you buy, if you like go on iTunes and you, or Spotify and listen to some band, it's, you, know, you want to buy a t-shirt, it's not like you just click a button, whereas Bandcamp, it's all collected in one place. It makes it a very kind of seamless experience. Yeah, that's what makes me feel like yeah. maybe it is a good thing yeah. because it seems like the bands can put their stuff up and, yeah. like, you know, it seems good. I hope it's good. Yeah, I mean, bottom line is a lot of bands actively use it and use it to promote, don't they? Oh, yeah. There is an app for it as well, so you can download stuff. Oh, really? Like as well, which, is, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about, I've been following loads of bands on there this last week. Like I've just been. <laughs> I'll be honest, found it hard to listen to the music this week because I was just on Bandcamp ah. the entire time. But <laughs> Any highlights? I was following so many bands and I think when you follow them, you get added to their mailing list, right? And then they can let you know about like, yeah. gigs and stuff. Oh, and that's always yeah, been yeah. a big, big problem for me is that like I will look up when my favourite band are like coming to Bristol and find out they were here six months ago and I had no oh, idea. Oh, I hate that. Oh, so yeah, I know. I've never known a good way to find that stuff out and it seems like Bandcamp's a good place. Yeah, Bandcamp's great for that, yeah. Yeah, there are a few other websites like um, like Bands in Town which are meant to do that but they don't seem to work very well so mm. I'll have to try out mm. Bandcamp for that actually. I tend to find a lot of it through my Facebook news feed to be honest just seeing what events people are going to for sure. Mm. And being like, oh, my mate's going to this thing. I didn't even know it was happening. I'll click going. I'll buy a ticket. I'll give him a shout. That's great if you're like a user of social media, but as a, I, I don't know what word I want to apply to myself here, but I just have like no social Loser. media. Program. Well, maybe. Um. <laughs> no, it's definitely cooler to not be on social media. Yeah, I don't think Facebook has benefited anyone. Uh, I don't know. It just seems like a lot of effort mm. to be on it. But yeah, I, I've never really had much use out of the social medias. I'm hoping that Bandcamp will be, be useful, but we'll see. I mean, there's going to be more definitely, gigs coming up definitely. now. so It's going to be good. Yeah, yeah. I know. I saw, well, I saw an event today for a band. Can't for the life of me remember who it was, but someone playing in July and I clicked going and I thought, hmm, I'm going to be able to go to that. It's a good it feeling, funny. isn't it? I was like, oh, I remember how it, how it felt to see an event and be like, fucking yes, can't wait to go to that. Definitely. I just, yeah. Honestly, I'm just Definitely. yeah, seeing that going. Uh, mm. Knowing that's true as well. I haven't seen that in a while. <laughs> I haven't been going anywhere for <laughs> a long time. All right, guys, what do you think? You want to talk about our first album this week? So, first up this week, we have May Our Chambers Be Full by Thou and Emma Ruth Rundle. So, May Our Chambers Be Full is a kind of EP, collaboration, split album. Mm-hmm. It's it's only six songs long, but it kind of packs in a lot. And it's mm-hmm. it's by this um, sludge metal band called Thou from uh, Baton Rouge in Louisiana. Hmm. They've been around since about 2005, and they've got five other studio albums and a bunch of other EPs and splits and things. With the most recent of those being 2018's Magus. So, May Our Chambers Be Full came out in 2020 and was followed by another album with um, Emma Ruth Rundle in 2021. Yeah, I saw that that's cool yeah they collaborate together a lot and i can definitely see why because i thought this album was great mm. but um i want to hear what you guys think what was your kind of feeling on it because it's got a really i think it's a really interesting vibe really interesting atmosphere it is and yeah. it really it's got a real identifiable sound to it but i can imagine it's kind of it could be controversial i'll tell you what i think uh, ben why don't you go first i'd be interested to see what you make of this i I loved it. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> to be short and sweet. No, yeah, yeah. it was amazing. It opens with um, the track yeah. Killing Floor, mm. which I think was a really beautiful track. It just, it felt like a really big breath in Ooh. and then just like yeah. breathing out. The, the thing that was in my mind was like a, a tidal wave or something just coming in like the sea and then you feel really relaxed and it's like slowly swallowing a city, but you still just feel really relaxed about Man. the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> I know like what you a mean. Real, yeah. Like, 
nihilistic sense of relief. <laughs> it's very, very transcendent. Mm, yeah. It like, and this is definitely something through the whole, whole album as well. It's got this, as you say, a transcendent feeling, mm. and it feels very kind of spiritual. But it's also super nihilistic in some ways. It feels really dark and melancholic, right? It has that thing that Sludge does really well of having these sort of like waves and waves of sound. Even in the quiet bits, like in the intro to The Valley, where it's kind of, you know, the first half isn't really metal. It's it's kind of quite atmospheric, almost. Quite soulful sounding. It's yeah. very much led by the vocals and, and the kind of ambient guitars, but it still feels really big. I had to listen to both Emma Ruth Rundle and Val's separate work, and I think their collaboration just makes perfect mm. sense. It's like... You get one, add another one, you get two, and it just makes perfect sense. Like, I'm not surprised they've done two albums mm. together, because yeah. it doesn't feel like they're forcing these two things together. No, it doesn't. It almost feels like they came together to just make one album, and then were like, fuck, let's do another one. This works know? really well. <laughs> yeah. And I can absolutely see why. Absolutely, mm. yeah. On the sound, it's like uh, you've got this sort of waves of kind of crushing guitar, very kind of slow, kind of punchy sort of drums. You've got mm. this, it's got a kind of lo-fi sort of washed out feeling yeah. for a lot of it, but it's got these really sort of, I don't know, I wouldn't even describe them as like guttural, almost like... Um, but well, they're very kind of sludge, unique sort of vocals. Yeah. I'd always describe them as like kind of grindy in a way, like grind vocals or something. I know what you mean. You've got Emma Ruth Rundle's really soft vocals over the top, creating this sort of otherworldly kind of atmosphere to it. How did you find the combination of those two? Because I think that was a really unique point in this, was was that combination of the harsher vocals with Emma Ruth Rundle's really clean vocals. How did that land for you? So at first, I really liked the combination of Emery Frondel's vocals and the heavy guitar parts. It's not something you hear enough, in my opinion. Mm. But then when the kind of harsh vocals came in, I was a bit like, oh, I don't know. This is sort of sound like two different tracks playing at once a little bit for me. And it wasn't like syncing up. But I sort of felt like I knew that it would get there eventually. If I listened to it enough, there would be that moment when you, you recognize it to be like, this is a kind of a unique sound. And I think that mm. did happen exactly how I kind of anticipated it would happen. But at a certain point, they both sort of merged in my brain. Mm. And then it kind of becomes what it is, which is a really unique piece of work with two unique vocal tracks that are actually combining really well. I know exactly what you mean. For me, it kind of took very little time to get used to it. I really like the combo. And I've, I've always liked the combo of more, so, you know, maybe quieter, melodic vocals combined with, you know, very harsh, you know, kind of like fry screaming or something. Mm. But I think, you know, that landed really well. But also things landed really well, like, you know, the, the groovy riffs and the bleak atmosphere and the chilled vibes and the kind of intensity of it, which it sounds yeah. like, you know, that doesn't sound like it goes together but it really fits together well. There yeah. was a surprising amount of groovy riffs on this. I know. Like some of the like, um, yeah, some of the riffs had real bounce to them. A lot more energy than I was expecting when the album opened up. And one, one song had a guitar solo in it, which I wasn't expecting. Yeah. Really enjoyed that. No, it's that. totally cool. Yeah. <laughs> it really, it's, Sludge is not a genre that you really consider like danceable. And I wouldn't go as far no. to call this album, you know, I wouldn't put it on if I was running a metal club night maybe because, you know, it's no. kind of hard to get up and, and, and shake to, you know, the valley or something. But mm. there's a lot of really bouncy riffs and things. I mean, can you imagine seeing this band live in a big room sort of packed with people and those sort of mm. slow riffs like pounding out over the whole thing? I think that'd be great. I actually watched one of their live shows on YouTube. It looked excellent. Yeah, I really like if they tour in the UK, you know, in the post-corona world, I'm straight there. Oh, yeah. You know, next time I'm in the States, which is not very often, but if I'm there anytime <laughs> soon, I'll definitely look them up and see if they're playing anywhere near me. Because these guys, I think, would be excellent live and it sounds like tom the evidence supports that yeah yeah absolutely i mean it was um i mentioned wolf alice in the intro just by chance but it was a band that i kept kind of calling back to of like 
something that's like a little bit sort of post-punk yeah. kind of here, like there's a heavier moments and things. I think they share kind of an atmosphere with Wolf Alice, which for me has this kind of, it's a very warm atmosphere to the music mm. when you don't necessarily expect it. And it has to do in my mind with this kind of feeling of like, the album almost feels nostalgic, like straight away. Yeah. It feels like, it feels like the memories of somebody looking back over their life in like a, in like a warm and positive way. Not being mm. like everything is great and I've had an amazing life, blah, blah, blah. Nothing like that. But more kind of looking back and thinking about how meaningful things have been in their life. It just has that kind of weight to it. That's really interesting because I got a very much more melancholic feel to it. But when you when you put it like that, oh. I do know what you mean mm. where it's it, it's kind of like even if things weren't good, at least I felt something kind of kind of vibe, you know? Yeah, like melancholy is definitely the one of the words that I would use for it. But bittersweet is is more yeah, my kind of I can take. See that. Yeah. There's something like that feeling you get from black metal of the kind of transcendent nihilism. No, I know what you mean, because the lyrics themselves felt really meaningful and quite personal in a lot of ways, but they also had a very yeah. kind of connection to wider concepts. They had this kind mm. of, it felt like, mm. like you say, kind of transcendental or wider, almost spiritual kind of meaning, like in, in yeah. natural cost yeah. in particular, I felt. It has the kind of spiritual feeling that I, I get from a band like um, Migler. And, and I very quickly felt like this is a, uh, this is, this is an album I'm going to remember. This is an album, as I say, it sounds to me like an album that's about memory and nostalgia yeah. in some way and like introspection mm. in some sense. And I was, I was, um, what was I doing? As usual, all my stories about listening to music on this podcast are all around cycling. <laughs> I was cycling back from the shops and like it was like a sunset and I was going back to my flat and we were going to have a barbecue that evening. And I was thinking like, and the weather was kind of like a little bit warmer. And I was thinking like, man, this is really nice. Like, this is exactly the music that I want to listen to, like, right now. Because it's got all that kind of, I wouldn't say feel-good nostalgia. It's got a kind of positive, nostalgic feeling to it. But it also is fucking heavy and has great riffs. Yeah. I'm surprised how um, catchy some of the songs are. Oh, for sure. Were. And there's, like, parts of it stuck mm. in my head right now. Like, I'm literally, I can hear them inside my head. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I, like, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to be coming back to this. There's, yeah. there's a couple of bands that, like, really... Are sort of in this area for me, I think. Oh yeah, if you like if you like this album. I'd recommend um, Subrosa and um, oh, cool. Sinistro. They're both Excellent. really good. Sinistro are much heavier, but um, I saw mm. them live mm. at a festival, and um, that was like one of those shows where you're just like blown away by oh, yeah. Um, the, oh, yeah. the power of the music. Like it just hit me in the chest like a like yeah. set of bricks. You know, it was like that's what really good kind of like sludge and doom does though I yeah think. it definitely yeah. made me think I'd, I'd just love to see this live in terms of like i just want to see them yeah, turning the amp some, up and hearing the feedback like as it some goes shows on. you you just go absolutely mental right like you're just like yeah. running into people and just losing your mind and yeah. i feel like with a band like this you kind of they start playing and then 45 minutes later no idea how much time has just passed and you're just like staring at the stage <laughs> like wow okay kind of drawn <laughs> into that world for a 45 minutes yeah you? i always find with like doomy bands like that it's like it starts very slow and you're like nodding along and by the end mm. of it you've like completely shaken yourself to pieces just <laughs> yeah like, it's uh, gone so heavy like halfway more, through like... <laughs> damn good choice josh honestly I yeah think, very um, good very this has been one of my highlights you've redeemed so yourself from trivium <laughs> <laughs> i feel like the music i bring it's always very you know you guys have an opinion either way <laughs> It's yeah, no, it's, it's very extreme. Yeah, <laughs> I think my favorite tracks from this album would probably be "Killing Floor," the first yeah. track, because mm. that listening to that intro that's really memorable. Other than that, I picked "Ancestral Recall." Oh, uh, really? Yeah, there was like some really like really nice rolling drums, quite a bouncy guitar yeah. through it, and we've talked about it a couple of times. But it's that like contrast between those really 
low end of the guitars and vocals and then the the real high end gives a real depth to the music i really enjoyed that. yeah yeah depth is the right word isn't for it? sure yeah i mean i would say um i enjoyed the whole album all the way through i think uh killing floor again was one that i liked but uh, out of existence is uh, my go-to i think i think it it's uh it just breaks into the song so quickly and so yeah it's very good yeah i, I think it's interesting how we're kind of struggling for words with this like we can normally talk quite a lot but it's just, it's kind of hard to sum this album up in a, in a, in a kind of yeah. sentence. You go listen, yeah, you to, listen it. to it. But for me, my, my, my best tracks were The Valley, which I think is just an excellent song. Oh, uh, really? Actually, probably not, yeah, not my favourite yeah, at all. Actually. That's interesting. And my, my other song that I'd pick would be Magical Cost, which I thought was just oh, yeah. really also, good. I mean, well, that's... <laughs> Wait, hang on a minute. Let me just have a look at the track list here. We've mentioned every single song apart from Monolith. That's not getting a look in for some. Oh, that was a really good. I mean, it's the thing. It's all good. Yeah. Just speaking of our conversation earlier, when we were talking about how we found new music, I actually discovered these guys. I know I was slating the Apple Music Discovery playlist. I found these guys via the Apple Music new uh, Discovery. No way. Yeah. (laughs) The Valley got put on the like new releases playlist that you you might be interested in, kind of thing. I listened to it. I was like, this is cool. And nice. the rest is history. God. Do some things right then. How do those words taste, Josh? <laughs> Listen, I admit, the, the algorithm giveth and the algorithm taketh away. <laughs> it certainly does. <laughs> All right, so on to our second album this week. We're talking about Tool's album, Opium. So, Tool, for those who haven't had the pleasure yet, they're an LA-based alternative metal band, is the word I'm going to use. They're known for their three decades of genre-transcending music, their five critically acclaimed studio albums, their three Grammy Awards, and their 13 million albums sold in the US alone. Sellouts. (laughs) (laughs) However, I would say they are probably even more well-known for the various memes that their enthusiastic (laughs) fans have inspired. Cue Fibonacci sequence references. Ah, yes, there we go. There it is. (laughs) So... The band were formed in 1990. They've only had one lineup change in that time. The bass player changed in 1995. But their sound has changed a lot between each album. I think mm. they've touched on grunge, art rock, various others. But I think, really, I, I'd identify it as, as prog metal, alternate metal. Today we're talking about their very first album, released in 1992, Opiates. Yeah. So, I don't actually know how much you guys know about Tool. So, Josh, tell me about Tool. <laughs> I have always really liked Tool. Yay! <laughs> but I've never like gotten big into them. I don't, I've never seen them live. I don't, I don't know anything about that. But I've always, I've always really enjoyed it when they've, when they've come on. I think something that really handicapped me liking Cool in the past was like they used them to be on Spotify me. or anything. <laughs> no, not, not, not just you. Me. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> yeah, the, the war in in our kitchen for control of the um, uh, um speakers, the sticky speakers yeah. that we've sticked about speakers. before. <laughs> Was lost, so I couldn't. I couldn't put on any tool. But no, tool. I, they've, I've always liked them. They've always been really cool. But back when I listened to a load of music, like more than I did now, and I used to spend all day listening to music practically, they weren't on Spotify, so it was kind of hard to uh, to really get into. Ah, uh, yeah. So yeah, they've got some. Um, they've got some pretty strong opinions about the music industry and things like that, which I guess they've since sold out on and now they're on spot. Yeah, but then yeah. someone told them they can make loads of money, so... Mm. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. But no, yeah, Tool are just really cool. Like, they, 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 they sound really unique. They've got a lot of really good, like, music. I haven't really got anything bad to say about them, to be honest. I'm a big fan. Fantastic. <laughs> How about you, Tom? Well, Tool's like a... It's a real mix for me because for a long time, I wasn't a fan. I sort of heard some of the bits that were like... Josh, you mentioned before about you hear the noisy parts of a heavy band and you think, oh, it's all just a load of... It's all just going to be like this. Yeah. I can't be bothered. I had the opposite thing with Tool where I think I just heard the kind of slow, pretentious parts 
And being mm. the sort of low attention span grindcore fan that I was for so many years, I just hadn't really checked them out. But I definitely listened to them for the first time in uh, in our third year of uni in 2017. Ah. It was the songs Vicarious and Sober oh, yeah. I got into. Mm. Uh, this was when I didn't have iTunes Music or Spotify. I was just sort of really just going through their hits on YouTube. And I very quickly decided that I, I liked them really quite a lot. But I'd spent such a long time taking the piss out of Ben for liking them that... <laughs> I yeah. held off on letting you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I um, I'm pretty sure that yeah, you you purposely didn't like them to antagonise me for a long time. <laughs> no, because you used to talk about Tool, and I'd say, oh yeah, man, I'm gonna listen to a, a Tool album later because um, I've been having some trouble sleeping recently, and I could do something <laughs> to send me off. <laughs> Which is funny to reflect uh... on now because as like this album especially, but a lot of their other albums, there's actually a lot of aggression in there, a lot of drama mm. in there, more yeah, so I mean, than I think I tend to believe. I got into Tool probably in about 2007, and wow. they've stuck since then. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, oh, man, honestly. yeah, that's good. Yeah. I, I only know it's about that year, because it was just after the release of 10,000 Days, mm. and I've liked their music ever since, but then when I was about 19 or 20, I became really obsessed it's with them cemented, for a while. yeah. You got locked yeah. in. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> you, got, you got big brain. <laughs> 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 brain expanded interesting that you called them alternative metal earlier actually I hadn't mm. thought about them on those terms I always kind of consider them prog but actually I think another band that kind of can rightly be called alternative metal is System of a Down and I think mm. there, there are parallels of System of a Down in a sense in how much their music changes up kind of per song they go from very quiet to very heavy they can mix a lot in there but I think whereas System of a Down are sort of concerned with combining lots of popular music genres they're very much a band that's rooted in musical history. Yeah. I feel mm. like Tall don't really sound like anything else. It's very hard. They sort of... I was thinking when I listened to this album, they kind of sound like everything and they kind of don't sound like anyone. This is the problem with those genres like prog metal or alternative metal is that when you see the related bands on things like Spotify and iTunes, they're often completely different. Yeah. So, you know, like you can listen to this album, which we'll talk about the sound in a minute, but it's pretty grunge heavy. Mm. But... If you were to get recommendations on iTunes, they wouldn't just recommend you some grunge bands, which yeah. is probably a better recommendation for this album. And I think it's always it's always a sign of a band that I'm going to like is that they combine a lot of genres, like a lot of genres, not just yeah. like it's not like, oh, this is a mix of black and fresh as, as cool as that is. You know, quite often my favorite bands are bands that suck in loads of different genres. And Al Nafrak yeah. would be a good example where it's like, OK, you can say there's some like grindcore, like black grind and stuff that sounds like them. You can listen to other industrial black metal bands but really no one sounds like an Afric apart from an Afric. yeah and I think Tool kind of yeah. sit in that area as well absolutely yeah. it's interesting actually you say that about the, the genres because I just I just when you were saying that I looked it up on iTunes to see what the similar artists would be and you've got a range from Deftones to Alice in Chains to Pantera and Slipknot so yeah, it's right. obviously struggling to place it there are connections I think to each of those maybe not Slipknot I'm not seeing <laughs> that one but yeah like there's like a bit of groove metal in there there's a bit of like you know the alternate rock I know definitely there's like, there's Deftones yeah. in there. Uh, that was a big comparison. Yeah, Deftones for sure. Yeah. It's just interesting how it spans such a wide range. Mm-hmm. And one album that I kept thinking of when I was listening to this album is um, Nirvana, actually. Yeah. I was really reminded Definitely. of just those kind of grungy parts where it like leads from something very kind of quiet and peaceful into something really like blisteringly heavy. But whereas Nirvana, I think, lean in a slightly more rock direction, I feel like this feels like metal. For sure. Yeah, I mean, this was released in 92, so that's pretty peak grunge times. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I picked this tool album in particular for a couple of reasons. Firstly, I'm not going to lie, I'm probably going to be picking a Tool album every season, so 
be prepared for a dose of tool every six months. Or That's so. all right. I've wanted to listen to their whole discography <laughs> for a while, so yeah. one or two might be worth skipping. Yeah. But, will it be uh, chronological yeah. order or will it be random? Ooh, I might just go for the full. I might go full chronological. Let's go full yeah. chrono. Yeah, Let's go full <laughs> chrono on this. <laughs> I love going full the, the, chrono. <laughs> the second reason why I picked this album and why I decided I pretty much want to cover a lot of tool is I don't really know if it's fully possible to have a favorite band but Tool have had quite an impact on like my my life my beliefs and some yeah. things that i think about music and artists in general because like we said earlier Tool have quite a an interesting relationship with the media and their fans mm. and I, I remember maynard the vocalist once basically calling all of his fans fucking idiots <laughs> because um he's, he's like basically once you become a fan you're a fanatic and you're no longer thinking for yourself and um mm. i took that and i i believe it to this day because um Maynard told me to. So the, <laughs> irony isn't, the irony is not lost on me. <laughs> I can see that. I can see that. Mm. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I mean, since I've known you, you've always been a free-thinking person. Yeah. It's good to know oh, that it was, you. Um, you know, handed down to you from someone else. <laughs> yeah. Uncritically accepted by... <laughs> <laughs> Damn, better be a free-thinker. <laughs> yeah, I guess he's right. As we've established, we're going to be doing a tool album every season from now on. Can I just ask you, Ben? We're locked in. Here we are. So what is it about Tool that you like so much? That's a really hard question to put me on the spot with. Yeah, I know. But I'll give it a shot. We haven't we haven't <laughs> preloaded that. It's not a planned question, though. I mean, obviously the music. I really like the sound of the music. That's, like, really basic, right? But, um, the sound in your ear holes. Yeah. The sonic experience the overall vibe. Is, is really, really good. Oh, yeah. yeah. I really like the lyrics as well. Like... Often they yeah. touch on topics like personal and spiritual development, being sort of, like we said, a free thinker, thinking for yourself, but generally having like a really positive attitude about your situation and realizing that like you have control and you can make things better, ah, which is nice. like a big part for me because I think yeah. that you can listen to music and enjoy it as, like we said, a sonic experience, but then you can also listen to music as like a spiritual experience. Definitely. A growth sort of thing. Music's attached to, it's more than just an audio thing, isn't it? Yeah. There's a lyric in the song Parabola, which is, um, celebrate this chance to be alive and breathing. Mm. And and I've almost taken that as like a mantra that yeah. no matter how like bad things are, I kind of just think I'm going to celebrate this chance to be alive and breathing. And yeah. we got a little bit deep there, but yeah, um, no. that's really why I like Tool so much is that it's really good. It's really fun. They have stupid songs like Hook Up With A Penis, <laughs> but then they also have really like those transcendental songs where you're just like, wow, yeah, this actually like really makes sense to me. And it really like touches mm. my soul. Yeah. And I mean, it's, I think it's fair to say that everyone in the world, no matter your situation has always dealt with some shit, you know? Mm. And I think, um, the conclusion that people draw normally when they get over a lot of this stuff is that sense of being like, yeah, they, you know, make the most of it. Yeah. Kind of thing. Mm. Absolutely. You, you can, o- you can only do what you do. Oh, actually, can I, can I change my answer? Yes. Um, it's the memes. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I think the memes are really the main part of any band, aren't they? But Tool. Oh yeah. yeah. Mm. The memes were oh, like yeah. reminds me when I forget about Tool. I see a meme and I'm like, oh yeah, I'll go listen to some Tool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To be fair, every time you've sent me one of those um, like prog memes to take the piss out of me, I'm like, oh yeah, but that is a good song though. Yeah, I will go mm. listen to the uh, Lateralis. I want to hear the Fibonacci sequence again. Yeah, I, and I gotta say, like from the memes, and this is I'm, I'm guilty of this, like. Definitely getting the impression of Tool as being a, a proggy band that was probably going to be a bit like mathematical and cold and kind of an unemotional and sort of technical approach to music where it's all just about like wanking over what kind of crazy sounds you can make and stuff. Yeah. There's, I, I mean, I've got, I've got space for that, but for that reason, I sort of, I never like gravitated towards Tool. I think 
especially with this album, made me realize that that's bollocks, basically, is that mm. actually Tool have some really fucking heavy songs. And mm. they, especially in this album, there is some serious aggression in there. Like, really kind of, like, powerful stuff. Feelings of yeah. great anger. And not anger that's, like, negative anger, but, like, righteous anger. So it's probably worth starting to talk about this album, then, and then particularly, like, the sound on this album. Because yeah. it is quite different from their other albums. It is. Which do become a bit more... Uh, noodly. There's some noodles in there. There's some noodles. There's some noodles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's some noodles served for those some albums. Wibbly wobbly. <laughs> but this album is it's 26 minutes long. Two of those tracks are live. It's all music. There's no noodly bits apart yeah. from maybe opiate. But yeah, I, I there's I love the sound of this album. The bass and the guitar have such like a thick, bouncy, just amazing sound. Danny Carey's drums are amazing as always. Well, in a song like Hush, it's almost like sounds a little bit like Chili Peppers. Yeah, there's a lot of kind of funk yeah, in that, yeah, isn't yeah. there? It's it's a really yeah. wide mix of different. It's weird because it, it, it draws on so many different genres, but it, it kind of marries it up so well. It mm. threw so many things at me that I wasn't expecting. As I say, it reminded me of Nirvana, reminded me of Rage Against the Machine, reminded me of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and I've been trying to identify it. It sounds like something. Maybe it just sounds like Tool. That, That's yeah. the thing, isn't it? Like, <laughs> well, it's really hard to draw a comparison because it's like mm. they kind of are unique. I can't yeah. really think of any bands who've tried to just. Cause there's bands who try and you can know, have ape every style, right? But like, I can't think of any Tool mm. imitators. Like you see with like Meshuggah, well, there's, there's a lot of bands who yeah. are kind of a Meshuggah type band. But mm. and now with yeah. a band like um, say Dark Throne or Black Sabbath, they have that sabbath quality of like they've done something new and created like a new sound and somehow tall and i think system for down is a decent comparison in this respect there's something completely unique because of who they are as a band and it's like you can't really replicate system for down you i don't think you can really replicate tall either yeah we actually said the same thing when we talked about system for down and i think it's true here as well it's just this coming together of great musicians and they've made something truly unique Mm. and i don't think we'll really see anything like this again yeah i hope we do but i see what you mean oh yeah well yeah (laughs) no (laughs) in a positive way (laughs) no 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 it's a gem yeah i know what you mean i mean i i I just i hope that there is a band as good as tool who sound like tool but still interesting coming out there'll be other great bands but you won't be going that's true Uh, it's just tool this is just a new tool yeah (laughs) that's true that's true and and i I'd like so Era, who we covered in the kind of preseason, they mm, put out yeah, um, cool. a song recently, which was kind of compared quite widely to uh, Tool. Yeah, there's kind of like quite a Tooly riff in it, but it just it didn't hit the same. But it's mm. it's kind of everything with Tool, though, isn't yeah. it? It's like everything from Maynard Keenan's kind of persona as like a bit of an asshole, but like a righteous asshole. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, you kind of chuck in some riffs. It's actually a little hard to disagree with him, even if you're kind of like a bit of a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's with this whole thing about like um, I don't want fans. Mm. When I heard that, I was like. Okay, fine. And I haven't looked up anything he's done since then. Yeah. I'm just like, fair enough. <laughs> but also, like, the album artwork, the kind of themes of the lyrics, the sense mm. of atmosphere. It's like, mm. that's, you can imitate their sound, but you can't get that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a bit like, and forgive me for this analogy, but it's a bit like when the Romans copied, like, the old Greek statues, you know? It's just not mm. the same. It's like, you weren't there to, like, you know, carve Aphrodite out of marble or whatever. This is just kind of like a bad knockoff, you know? It, it's it's <laughs> it's so unique that it's kind of hard to replicate. And I kind of feel that, like like you're saying, Ben, when, when Tool, you know, God forbid, eventually breaks up or something, <laughs> that moment will kind of be lost in time. You know? Yeah. So there's only six tracks on this album. It's 26 minutes in total. What would you say was your favourite tracks on this one? I kind of liked all of it. I, I found it hard to narrow it down. Like, it was, all, it was all really good. I listened through it, and I was like, okay, which is my favourite? 
and we're just kind of like, well, it's all, uh, <laughs> it's all great. <laughs> you know, I, I yeah. can't really argue. We're, we're having another, we're having another every track answer. I like that. This has been a, a fucking, a fucking easy week because <laughs> every album, and I don't want to do any spoilers, but I mean, I like the next album. Every <laughs> single song on every single album I liked like all the way through. I made a playlist mm. of all three albums and I've listened to it like round and round, like easily. I really like this whole album. Every song on it really fucking works, but I think I'm going to try and choose this one song. Now that song would definitely be Jerk Off. It's a live yeah. version. And, you know, live stuff doesn't always land, but there is some ferocity in that. Oh, my God, yeah. Really, really yeah. good. You know, the, I'll yeah. kill you myself, you know. Yeah. Yeah, really strong. And then I was reminded of moments in um, Vicarious and Sober, those two songs yeah. uh, from their later work, where you can hear that anger. It's still there, you know what I mean? But they've, they've yeah. found a way to channel it into something that's like a little bit less kind of punk and a little bit more, you know, sort of, dare I say, like prog metal. But like that, that, that core of emotion is kind of epitomized for me by this song. That's what keeps them good, in my opinion. Absolutely. Maynard has a real way of putting emotion into his, into his vocals. Mm. He can sound like really and angry really sad really afraid mm. like i picked both cold and ugly and jerk off as the two live tracks in the album those are my favorites yeah because um, of what you said tom like it's just i'd love to have been in that show oh man i feel like i can see it in my mind you know what i mean like tiny fucking show he's up there with his like weird what's he got like a long mohawk at that point yes yeah, right all covered in paint and shit <laughs> wearing like little circle spectacles yeah <laughs> uh, what a unique moment whilst looking up this album i think tool mashuga and mastodon once toured together and oh my God. i am so sad you it was in 2001 so i was seven years Maybe old you would have died <laughs> i know it's a good thing i didn't know <laughs> that would have like, been we'd, we'd get there and then we'd just burst into white light and ascend <laughs> Just the sense. This is what he was for. <laughs> he has achieved his purpose and no longer needs his corporeal form. <laughs> One day. <laughs> All right, so changing pace a little bit, let's talk about our third album this week. We're talking about Dying Fetus, Reign Supreme. Dying Fetus are an American death metal band formed in 1991, and this album, Reign Supreme, came out in 2012, making it almost 10 years old. I heard it back when it was released, and I instantly loved it. It hits like a fucking hammer all the way through, unrelenting, pure death metal, but delivered with consistent energy and just a touch of grind slam in there as well. With only guitars and drums making up the bulk of the sound, they do a hell of a lot. Dapping, shredding, shrugging, blast beats, amazing fills, cymbal crashes, ultra heavy breakdowns and pure guttural vocals. Listening to this over this last week has got me reminiscing about all sorts of death metal, which was definitely the, the sort of key genre in the Bristol metal scene when I was a youth when I was getting into metal. You? Yeah. <laughs> so I know that me and Josh both like this album a lot. We've ch- we talked about it before. It's maybe the, one of the few areas where we both agree on a piece of music. But I actually don't know what Ben thinks about us at all. And i got to say, I can't predict what Ben's response to this is going to be. Ben, I know you like the, the slow, <laughs> atmospheric stuff. And i got to say, Dying Fetus absolutely does not deliver on any of that. Mm. But I know you also like some heavy stuff mm. as well. So I've got to ask, Ben, what do you think about this album, Reign Supreme? Should I give you the, the short answer, just up front? Great retention. Do it. I really liked it. <laughs> ah! <laughs> yeah, I, I really, really liked it. Fuck I yeah. genuinely did. <laughs> Before we talk about the actual music, though, I just wanted to say there's a lot in a name. A name, a name can do a yeah. lot for when you're like getting into a band. And yeah. 
Yeah. I find that I've I've often like overlooked bands which I thought were being intentionally offensive for the purpose of being offensive. Mm-hmm. It's not really something I reappreciated much. Like if something happened to be offensive, I didn't care. You know, like if it was offensive but had a purpose, I didn't mind. Yeah. As I've kind yeah. of I guess matured or maybe become less mature in my tastes, I don't really care about that anymore. <laughs> and I, I kind of appreciate the idea of just mm-hmm. pushing boundaries for the sake of pushing boundaries. Yeah, to keep questioning. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think that's why I never listened to Dying Fetus before this week. Right. Yeah. Just because you know the name Dying Fetus. I was like, ah, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. It's interesting that you mentioned that, actually. I thought that this might come up. And so I looked it up, and the bandmate stated, plain and simple, we came up with this name when we were teenagers, yeah. adolescents, and we did it to be offensive. That's all I said about it. <laughs> yeah, 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 literally, I saw the same thing. And I, I think a, a long time ago, I would have seen that and been like, ah, oh, stupid, who cares? Like, they're just being offensive for the sake of being offensive. But now I kind of don't really care about that and I think like yeah fair enough if, if that's your goal that's your goal like fine <laughs> I think yeah and I, I have like if you take like an anthropological approach to it music is going to go everywhere you know what I mean it's going to touch all corners of life it's going to be about all different things there'll be music about you know pick a subject out of nowhere like I don't know computers or whatever computers. there's music about computers there absolutely is <laughs> like, there's music about beer there's music about every subject under the sun this is the music about you know offensive violence war that sort of genre this is just where music has ended up in that particular area i'm surprised that you couldn't have predicted that i'd like this more actually considering i'm so into anal nafrak mm. that's a good fucking point actually but i think anal nafrak have they have like a, a sense of grandeur and great. atmosphere <laughs> which i think i, I relate yeah. more closely yeah. to your music taste i think this has a very kind of stripped back mm. death metal kind of feel a lot of death metal is it's music for for fucking gigs it's music mm. for moshing it's music for like listen to this fucking sick extreme track that i heard <laughs> no it's, it's interesting because this is kind of like pure nihilism isn't it there's a song about you know like uh, from womb to waste fuck the baby let it die yeah. <laughs> fuck the baby let it die yeah like you know I don't think you can get more bleak than that yeah and, and actually <laughs> at the, I don't want this to become the what does Ben think about this podcast but that quote that you kept saying that fuck the baby let it die that stopped me from listening to this for a long time because I just thought this is going to be fucking dumb <laughs> My first exposure to Dying Fetus was after a Arch Enemy gig in London, I went in some <laughs> chips, and I saw a guy from the show wearing like a Dying Fetus shirt in the chip shop, and I was like, oh my god, how many people just go back Dying Fetus? How old were you at this time? <laughs> <laughs> and here we are. There's a sense in which this album is fairly like meat-headed, you yeah. know what I mean? But like, it's, it does exactly what it's supposed to do this is music that sounds like it's been written by a fucking killing machine yeah and i don't want to sound like i'm disparaging it by the things i've said because i actually really appreciate that these days and i actually really like it mm. and i think it's a different way to listen to music because like you said i generally do kind of go for stuff that's more atmospheric it's got more of like a big overarching generally like a fantasy theme or something yeah, yeah. you know like yeah. all this ridiculous stuff but then listening to this i was just like this is just straight up good music yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it. it's like it's music music it's music music it's music music <laughs> I think it's interesting though from like kind of a I don't know like a cultural studies or something point of view where it's like it, there's no message really you know it's not it's not like it's not like you know from no. womb to waste has some greater meaning it's and just it's just bleak fucking horrible shit interesting that they, they do have some they do have actually more political messages than a lot of bands yeah. do they, they are a song like Revisionist Past for example yeah it has a lot of you know there's you can go into the lyrics on that and kind of there is kind of like a message there which is unusual mm. but at the same time it's 
still dying fetus and they're still making music that just sounds like a fucking attack shooting you literally point blank in the face and that's that like connection to the nihilism right where it's mm. like you can see the meaning or you don't you can listen to it you can look up the lyrics you don't have to mm. it's just music yeah they are singing about something but it's not as though we've talked about it before it's not being like shoved down your throat you know it's just yeah it's not it's not preachy by any stretch of the imagination no, no. i mean the vocal style isn't saying that i normally go for because it mm. is so it's so guttural that a lot of the time i couldn't make out the words no, and that voice is an instrument I love that. Yeah, it's not no. trying to be understandable, is it? Mm. Like it's just. And they've got the you know the one singer who does the really low guttural vocals, and the other one who does like the high vocals. And so when you mm. see them live, it's guitarist, bassist, drums, and mm. the the guitarist and the bassist they do the vocals, and they they just get up there and they just fucking play, and it's like. I've seen them live a couple of times, and and both times it's really been like uh, quite an experience because they mm. they're definitely bordering sort of technical death metal. You can just like stand there and watch like these people at the top of the game, or you can mosh and stage dive and everything. Yeah, that was something I found surprising about it. I, it sounded much more kind mm. of tech mm. death than I than I thought it would. Like, I had listened to it a bit before, but I haven't really got into the album fully. But it's it really reminded me of bands like I don't know, like uh, like Necrophagist or something. You know, it's got this kind of like. Just chuggy riffs, then into the mm. guitar, like soloy stuff, and like the arpeggios, and then back down to the chugs again. And it sounded quite like you know, like you can hear the connections to like gent and things as well. It's got this bouncy sort of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't expecting that either. Yeah, there's some real like rhythm in parts of it, aren't there? Interesting, you made the comparison to gent, and I feel like this is probably one of the few albums where I can really enjoy like a breakdown in a song. Yeah, yeah. So because they do sort of do breakdowns, but it's not the slow like. You know, it's like much faster where they'll literally just cut the music up into like really sort of quick like stop and start kind of moments and um yeah i think the song in the trenches has a really strong bit as well but then it just goes into this really kind of a really slow sort of rhythmic kind of pace to the rest of the song as it plays out yeah it's it's, it's interesting how, how the musical element of the breakdown can change so much depending how it's in and this is kind of a broader mm. point i guess so i don't, I don't want to dwell on it too long but you know you got like slammy kind of breakdowns like like in i know time is not really a slam band but like you know it, they, what they, is they are what is slam Someone explained slam to well, me. Well, I, I, I asked Tom this question. When I was in my second year of uni, I was a bright-eyed young 20-year-old who was like, I like dream theatre. And I said, Tom... It took a long time for your voice to break, Josh. <laughs> Tom, what's slam? And Tom said, slam's like dying fetus, but heavier. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Dying fetus are like definitely they're kind of edges of slam. Yeah, they're gonna slam adjacent, aren't they? It's like if you listen to Dying Fetus and you're like, I need more of a particular part of it. It's like I don't know how I'd describe it. What is slam? So like if if you wanted fewer riffs, basically. If you thought Dying Fetus has too many riffs, you should listen to Slam. I think it's like, yeah, and it's um Whereas Dying Fetus is like incredibly like fast, I feel like Slam is very kind of mid-tempo, kind of pounding. They don't like to go up or down too much in the sort of mm. the tonality of it. It's very much like um, mid-tempo, sort of just fucking slamming death metal, Ben, all right? <laughs> yeah, okay, Slam is what Slam does, I understand now. Slams it down. <laughs> Maybe we should do a, uh, a Slam episode. I would love to do slam a Slam card. episode. Uh, I actually know like a couple of people who Slam is by far their favourite like micro-genre of metal. Yeah. Slam is starting to... They just go on the whole time about like, oh, fucking just love Slam. Slam is starting to not sound like a word to me at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was interesting listening to this and then comparing it to Val and Emma Ruth Rundle in terms of the different ways you can listen to music. Yeah. So I think when I put on first album this week, being taken away by the atmosphere and taking it as an entire experience 
and really becoming enveloped in the music was sort of how that hit me. Yeah. But then listening to Dying Fetus, I put that on, and there's not so much of that atmospheric element, mm. and it's very just straight up music. Yeah. I think it's really interesting how you can take music in such different ways. When I started to listen to Dying Fetus, I was amazed that I could put it on in the background and really enjoy it. But then also, when I was trying to think of some things to say about it, I could listen to every single track. I could listen to the guitars, the vocals, mm. drums, mm. Mm. and there was a lot of depth there. Yeah. In the same way that I think when you start paying attention to things like Val and Dying Fetus, you notice there's actually quite a bit there. Yeah. I kind of expected, especially from Dying Fetus. Yeah, definitely. Well, there's there's kind of a perception that if you're making music to basically to, to fucking mosh to and to, to mm. go to shows and it's music concerned of the activity of life. It's the kind of music you put on in the car or the kind of music you put on if you have like a fucking after party with a bunch of metalheads. It's not mm. music to take you away to another place. And there's like a, a perception yeah. that it's going to be in some way like, I don't know, not as not as smart or something. But I was expecting lo-fi wall of noise. That's where I was coming from. And it's not that. No, like, it's I'm not, not a big death metal yeah. fan. I'm not a big tech death fan. Mm. You know? Somehow I, I knew what you mean that. I was kind of expecting that too. Even though I, even though I know the album wasn't like that, I was kind of <laughs> expecting it to be like... I don't know why. Whenever I listen to um, you know, bands like Giant Theatres or more broadly you know, Slam, I always expect it to be horrible sounding. But I, I always end up really liking it. And it always surprised me for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because I have this idea of myself where I'm like, I like... You know, <laughs> you always have this <laughs> high voice for yourself. Sorry, I don't know why. It's it's obviously some kind of deep seated psychological something. Sort of Clearly, but I, I kind of imagine myself, you know, liking all this, like you know, like say fantasy themed music and yeah. high concept prog and stuff. And then I'm just I, like, I like high concept prog. Give me some fucking riffs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know, and I was going to say, like, on the sort of... I remember having a conversation with a girl I worked with, and she was like, I don't understand how people like metal. And the best way I found that I could sum it up was, like, there's music for different things. Like, she, the mm. music she was listening to, it was, like, music for dancing to at a club with her, like, yeah. kind of girlfriends and stuff, and that was her kind of vibe. That was her kind of world. And so the music that fits that sounds like it should do that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I see where you're going with this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then so the music that some of my mates listen to is much more sort of like indie and electronic and stuff, and it's got a very kind of warm, optimistic kind of vibe to it, and they're listening to it to like, you know, have a good time, have a bit of a party sort of thing. And like, Dying Fetus lives in this world of like, this is music for going to live gigs and moshing, you know what I mean? And that's what it's for. So Dying <laughs> Yeah, sorry, I just started laughing because you went, dying fetus lives. <laughs> <laughs> the fetus is saved. <laughs> Unaborted. It's crawled back in. Oh, jeez. <laughs> That's too far, Tom. <laughs> this is the space we're you've in. Just, the line, you've just crossed it. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, have you got any standout tracks, favorite songs from this fine album? For me, subjective to a beating has to be the standout track. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's it just, it's classic. Mm. It does everything right. It's, yeah. You know, I, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to say anything else, like, just that song. I love the tempo change in that song. It makes me think of mm. like a sort of, <laughs> you know, when he just goes like, Bleh! and then it just cuts into that <laughs> super fast, like blast beat. Yeah. I almost imagine it's like a sort of, some kind of Terminator, like killing machine with like guns for hands, turning around and seeing its prey and being like, Bleh! just opening fire for the rest of the song. <laughs> what about you, Ben? Did anything stand up? I think probably my favorite track musically was in the trenches. Yeah, me but too. But once I got, once I got into the headspace, I was ready for Dying Fetus. I um, think From Womb to Waste was just too perfect. <laughs> the, the, the intro and everything, like, you know, it's just... Yeah, yeah man, absolutely. It, it is great. Like, it's just... It, <laughs> it's just so offensive, that, like, opening mm. to Womb to Waste. And then the, the music that comes after it is almost like a, yeah, 
You see? I told you so. <laughs> I told you it was fucking brutal. They could so easily fall into the kind of I am very badass thing if they weren't playing it just right. Do you know what I mean? Do you think you yeah. think you get a point where you're gross enough that people are just like, oh yeah, okay, you already are crossing the line. I think that they they make something so undeniably savage that no one's yeah. going to be like, oh, they tried a bit hard. It's like, no, they, they really did it. <laughs> yeah, they've really gone and done it. They really have. They tried and succeeded. Yep. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah, I would say my favourite song in the trenches, Wound Away, subject to a beating so I think that we're, we're on similar vibes there it's actually an album that I definitely want to come back to like yeah. I don't think one week was enough I, I want to listen to it more I really do I mean yeah I've been into this album for like 10 years and it, it, I still fucking love it and yeah the good news is there is plenty more death metal out there the death metal mines are running dry soon <laughs> there'll be no new death metal <laughs> We'll have exhausted the natural supply within three years. <laughs> All right, good stuff. I'm glad you guys liked it. Okay, so that was Val and Emma Rufrundle's collaboration, May Our Chambers Be Full. Loved it. Tool's album, Opiate. Loved it. And Dying Fetus. Reign Supreme. Loved it. He loved it. He loved it all. Good stuff. This was a strong week. I think like we really quite good. often agreed that like broadly speaking we like this sort of stuff but I think this was probably a week where we all went like yeah damn that was some yeah. good stuff. I'm going to be listening to that again no doubt. And so it. different. Well this so was so different. different. Yeah. Yeah it was a real we ran around the gamut. It was good good stuff all through. I wonder if we'll ever have a week where we all enjoy the music so much ever again. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I know. Yeah I, I certainly hope, hope so. so. I yeah. hope so. This is already paying off. I've already got like so much new stuff to listen to you know i'm overwhelmed hopefully our listeners do as well so i wonder if we will have a a repeat free successes next week josh what are we going to be talking about we're going to be talking about meso by project mishram who are a indian prog band oh you've mentioned these guys once or twice before they're really cool they they so i've only listened to their earlier stuff but they fuse like um carnatic Indian classical music oh, wow. with kind of modern proggy rhythms and stuff. Wow. And the cool thing about Carnatic music is it's got this very complex rhythmic structure. So it's big in the kind of drumming community. And Tom, what are we going to be talking about next week? Well, so we're going to be talking about an album that I haven't listened to before. So I've been wanting to get into Devon Townsend for a while because, I mean, a couple, like some of my best mates are into Devon Townsend in a big way. This has been a long time ambition for you, I feel like. Mm. It has. I keep talking about this. I keep saying I'm going to do it. I keep saying I'm going to sit down and listen to his stuff. He has so much music and it's just hard to know where to start but on a friend's recommendation we're going to be listening to Infinity by Devin Townsend I have also never listened to Devin Townsend but similar to you I've always wanted to and now I have to yeah so. yeah. I mean I've, I know a couple of tracks from this one album so I hope that the other 35 are going to be good over the like whatever two hour runtime, or whatever it is <laughs> <laughs> so for my choice I have picked Rotting Christ's album Rituals. Oh, excellent. Yeah, I don't I don't really know anything about Rotting Christ, but I listened mm, to a couple of their mm. tracks during our research for the black metal episode. Similar to Tom, I, I've kind of felt like I really want to listen to some Rotting Christ and I need to uh well now I've got an excuse. So I don't actually know. Are they we talked about this earlier. Are they black metal? Are they death metal? I don't really know, yeah. And I also don't know if I've picked their best album or their worst album. Yeah. Well, I've picked we'll find out next week. There was so. some Rotting Christ fan at home right now typing in pissed off absolutely fuming we're picking the worst album <laughs> go right out on your blog <laughs> but, but please tag us on the blog yeah please honestly we need the promotion please please, please. <laughs> we need likes we want to quit our jobs <laughs> I don't yeah, neither do I really I do <laughs> are you allowed to say that as a civil servant Ben what that I want to quit my job yeah <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what are you going to do? Sack me? <laughs> uh, all right. All right. Have to make it. 
<laughs> and on that note, thank you for listening. Yeah. yeah. We'll see you next All week, right, everyone. I'll see you next week, guys. Take it easy. Talk to them. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. That was the Metal Face Podcast. Go follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for Season of Mist, Carrick, Anger, and Separation for their music in the intro. And thank you to Johnny Peterson for transition music throughout. Go check out his projects at Heads for the Dead, Massacre, Worm Veil, and Wombat. And most importantly, thank you for listening. Take it easy, and hail Satan. That was beautiful. We can all just talk like radio. We'll all just record this episode. Get a really Get a metal face ASMR edition. So dying fetus are... Dying fetus. <laughs> dying fetus. <laughs> with a side of slam. I'm getting really uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs>